Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Money makes the world go around the world. Go around the world. Go around. Money makes the world go around. It makes the world go round. Good job, Rob. Thank you. Kevin and I actually rehearsed that for a long time before we went on the air. Friends, congratulations. You are getting a new Patreon advertisement from us. As you know, we've had one for a whole year. So enjoy the Money Money song because you're going to hear it for the next year. But you know, I'm not singing I Dream to Dream anymore. So <gasps> I'm winning. going to miss it. Okay, so friends, you should know the drill by this point. We have 47 wonderful patrons on Patreon. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Patreon.com. That's P A T. R-E-O-N.com. As Pat Rion. Pat Rion. P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Pat Rion sounds like a drag queen from the 80s. Well, why not? Don't tell mama. So as you know, <laughs> um, we are an entirely, we are not funded by anybody except Patreon patrons. We, there was a lot of P's in that sentence, a lot of explosive P's. It's good. Um, thank it's you. very emotional. Thank you. After I had my stone removed, there was a lot of explosive P's as well. Thank you. I'll be here all week, folks. So once again, we need your help. Head on over to patreon.com. How is that spelled, Kevin? Pat Rion, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. When you head over there, you're going to search for... Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. And once you get there, you're going to hit a button that says... It's going to say, become a patron. And you can give us whatever you got. A dollar, two dollars, five dollars, anything that you give Cast us. Cast album collection. Yes. Oh, yes. Please, please, please. We will totally take that. <laughs> anything that you give us will be a, a wonderful contribution to helping us get this thing going. Thank and you, to everybody. keep it on the air. We you love go- you guys for it. We love you. Money, 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 around is all that makes a work around. It makes a work up. Right. Um, I thought I did good. That was pretty good. Thanks. I'm a star. Hi, I'm Rob Schneider. And I'm Kevin David Thomas. And this is Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Curtain. And make sure to join our Facebook page at Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. And follow us on Instagram at Broadway Curtain Podcast Plus. You can always listen to our podcasts on Broadway World and Stitcher. Today's guest is one of those artists whose work is so varied and so eclectic that they truly become the epitome of versatile. Our guest has not only been seen on musical theater stages all across the world, she is one of the foremost cabaret artists working today and has won and been nominated for just about every award you can think of. And did we mention she's also a celebrated photographer and designer? Yep, just a few of her credits include Bubbling Brown Sugar, The High Roller Social and Pleasure Club, Heading for Broadway, Sophisticated Ladies, Don't Bother Me, I Can't Cope, Blues for an Alabama Sky, Showboat, Tin Types, and she has been featured in such magazines as Vogue, Elle, Jet, People, and Ebony. Want more of her? Yes, Saturday, October 20th at 7 o'clock p.m. She's going to be at the Green Room 
42. Once again, there's no food and drink minimum at the Green Room 42. So not only do you not have to pay for food, you get to see the genius that is our guest today. I'm exhausted just reading this introduction. I don't know how she does it. To tell us what it was like to work with such legends as Rosella Lenore, Charles Honey Coles, Mabel King, Audra McDonald, Graziella Danielle, and our first guest ever to have appeared on Mr. Blackwell's Best Dress List, here is two-time Tony nominee, the wonderful, the brilliant Miss Vivian Reed. <laughs> hey, hey, Vivian. Hey, guys. How are you? All right. Wait, how are yes, you? I'm good, honey. I'm feeling good. Yes. <laughs> you should be. My God, I have to ask, when do you sleep? A few hours at night. <laughs> <laughs> Looks, what was the list? Yes. What's that list? The, Tell, Mr. Blackwell. Yeah, Mr. Blackwell's list. Yeah, I was on his best dress list. I love when that. When I was on Broadway, yeah. Yeah. Now, that's that's an honor. So <laughs> yes. now we're going to jump we'll all post that. the way back. Okay. Where'd you grow up? In Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh. Yes. Whereabouts in Pittsburgh? In Pittsburgh. Well, um, I was born and raised on the hill. And then my mom and dad bought a home out in Homewood. So then just before I graduated from high school, we moved out there. And then I was on my way to New York to go to Juilliard because I was born a classical singer. Well, now, when did you first discover that you had this voice inside you? My mom and dad told me that I was making melodious tones at three. I don't remember that at all because, huh. I mean, it's three years old. Right. So, But what I do remember is that they took me by the Pittsburgh Musical Institute at age six to meet a Mrs. Romaine Russell. And she said I was too young, but and they should bring me back in a couple years, which they did. And that's when I started studying at eight. And by the time I was 13, I could sing in three languages and did my well, first concert. So it was all classical, even at that young... Oh, oh my God. Oh, she's got it. She's got it. Okay. That's our first opera on the podcast. That was okay. amazing. Wait, so they were like, let's not... Really, you know, we're not going to just sing popular music. No, no, no. We're going to go full on into Oh, yeah, I was class. born a classical singer. That's wow. why when I switched, um, like, I got out of Juilliard at, after three years because I just started, you know, I was working this child, I was working this club. These, there were these two gay men at Juilliard, <laughs> and he said, we're going to take you to a club up in Harlem, and the club was Pauline's Interlude. Went up there, and everybody in there was gay. Uh -uh. The, the, I guess there were a few lesbians, but mostly men, doctors, uh -huh. lawyers, and whatever. I had never seen anything like that, and I was like 18 years old. <laughs> anyway, so what was so unique about the place? And I talk about, oh, we have to talk, we'll talk about my uh, channel because I talk oh, about Oh, yeah, yeah, we're definitely going to talk What was so unique about the place is that the bartenders and the hostess, there were two, uh, two singing bartenders and a hostess, they would break out in song every 30 minutes, and it would be classical. So the hostess came up to the table. I guess Moses or Bob must have said something to her. And she says, young lady, I hear you're a singer going to Juilliard. And I said, yes, I am. She said, would you like to get up and do something? And so I think I sang, and this is my beloved from Kismet. Okay. And, um, <laughs> and they were applauding all in the middle. Child, you don't Ooh. get that. Not in classical music. Right. I mean, in church maybe. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just loved it. And my teacher was furious. Oh my God! From Juilliard, you're Juilliard oh, too. Because it's like, how dare was you go telling, to the? I was telling him, sharing you think it was going to yeah. be great. This is so cool. Yeah. Well, because Juilliard, I think they probably lightened up a bit, but I know Audra and a bunch of people. Well, I'll speak for females that I know who have gone to Juilliard. They were staunch believers that if you're a classical singer, you don't sing any other form of music. And so, you know, they yeah. were kind of raking you over Especially the coals back then. Yeah. It, yes, back a long time ago. I think it might be a little different now. But when I tried, when I switched, it took 10 years through chronic coarseness and notes coming up on my vocal cords. It was a mess. It was not an easy switch. And then all of a sudden, 
the classical got harder and the belting was easier. Mm. <laughs> but it took 10 years. I didn't ask you, are, were your parents supportive of you going into oh, the arts? Absolutely, because, yeah. I mean, I think my mother, not so much my father, I think my mother was a little disappointed when I got out of classical music. Because oh. how I could tell is at the end of my classical concert, she would say stuff like, oh, that was just beautiful, just beautiful. I'm so proud of you. But it, she'd come and see me do the other stuff. That was that was a pretty oh. good. <laughs> <laughs> Lonely like a mother could. Only like a mother could. Only like a mom. But she came. Oh. She, you know, she and my dad came all over. Even when I lived in Europe and Paris, and yeah. they came all over. Came to every Broadway opening until they both passed. Oh, yeah. that's so wow. special. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yep, absolutely. I that have is. to ask you, what's it like being in a room with Honey Coles? Oh, uh, Honey was amazing. He was so. Amazing. I remember my first Broadway show called Bass Entertainment with a question mark, mm. is, what, <laughs> is what Clive Barnes put. And I didn't know anything about reviews. Mm. So I'm sitting on the subway, and this guy is reading it. I think it was either the Daily News or the, or the New York Post. I don't know remember. And I saw my picture, and I said, oh, that looks like my picture. I didn't understand. I'm young. And I was like, whoa. So there there was a newsstand right at the corner of 50th and Broadway. And so I ran up the subway steps. I said, Mr. Mr. I said, I think my picture's <laughs> in the paper. Can I just open it up and find out? He says, go ahead, young lady. Yeah. So I opened it, and there it was. And it said under, the, ca the caption was, by herself. <gasps> so when I walked into the dressing room, oh. it, was a, it was nine. It was a nine-person cast, nine cast members. And... One of the dancers said, you want to do this show by yourself? Ew. That was the first time I had encountered, like, jealousy, jealousy, because I didn't know anything about reviews. Oh. Yeah, it was, and it got worse than that. Oh. Um, yeah, but that was how I got my equity card was through that show. Oh Wait, your Broadway debut was, was how you got your equity card? Yeah, the bra it, yeah, that's entertainment. Can I ask how that came into your orbit? I mean, because you were singing opera. I would love because, to know the transitional well, for how you well, got between, from... Well, between classical... And um, the theater, I was doing a lot of clubs, and I had gotten um, a contract with uh, Epic Records. Bobby Schiffman got me that. Yeah. And so he took me down, um, and I think the meeting was at Columbia Records, and um, that's how I got my recording contract. I, you know, in some of the interviews, like people will say what records say, like I never really cared for too many of my records unless it was something that I produced because they didn't really take the care to see if my voice was good for it or it was good for my voice yeah. and we made a marriage. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing because my voice is, it's not terribly commercial sounding. So, and it definitely wasn't back then, it probably more is now. They but would throw stuff at you and just say, sing this, sing oh, this, yeah. sing this. Yeah. I mean, they would listen album. to it and ask me what I thought. Yeah. But ultimately, they would make the choice. And I remember um, Jeff Lane in one of the albums when I was listening back to one of the cuts. And I said, you know, that bass is distorted. And he said, you're a singer. Sit on that couch. Sit down and shut up and keep quiet. I would never let somebody. What? Are you kidding me? You talk to me? me like that today, Lord. You better prepare for death. Uh, <laughs> amen. Yes, because that is. And it, and to this day, I mean, I haven't listened to it to a long oh. in a long time. But I remember when I did listen to it, it's distorted. Yeah, you're right. You know, you're right. You knew. 
Jeez. Yeah. 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 How did you get the audition for? How did you know to audition because for that? Uh, that's I, entertainment. For some reason, I'm trying to think how I met Danny Holgate, who recently passed. He had a oh, yeah, he he's a great Danny. love like Danny Holgate. Great Danny Holgate. Great man. Great I musician. met him. Before that, I just don't mean I don't know under which under what circumstances we met. But anyway, he was the one I had just come back from Bermuda doing a show or a nightclub over there, and he said, "Vivian, um, they're doing this show. You need to go and uh, audition for it." It was like a cattle call, or and I had never heard yeah, of a cattle call. Yeah, And I went down there, and that's how I heard of the show. Was, huh. Yeah, and, and then the next show, even before Bubbling, was was "Don't Bother Me, I Can't Cope." With I Mickey Grant. Mickey Grant on yeah. on Broadway for six weeks and. Then Vanette took me and redesigned the show around me in Chicago, and she did a whole nother wow. thing bothering me. I can't cope. And is that the first time you met Mickey Grant, or did you no, had yes, you met her the before first time. that? First, I saw the show, and she definitely wrote that show to have a great entrance for herself because, baby, it was a star entrance. She would come out in at the beginning of near the beginning of the second act. It was a great entrance, and that was my first time meeting her, and and uh, actually my first time meeting Vanette Carroll as, as mm. well, the director. And so she took me to, um, Vanette did, to Chicago to the Happy Medium and just redid a whole nother show. Now, do you remember Lolita Holloway? No, I yes, don't know that. Do. Okay, really? okay. Disco Queen from oh. the 80s. Love Sensation and oh. all those songs. Oh. Love Sensation. That that's her. That's her. Yes. Oh, that voice. Well, that, that voice is mm. absolutely right. Well, and this is... This video hasn't been released uh, for the channel, but there's a whole thing that I dedicate to um, uh, Nell Carter mm. and Lolita Holloway. When I got to Chicago, I had 14 songs to sing, and I was smoking. See, that's, that's the other thing. I was smoking cigarettes and have been smoking since I was 12 years old. Oh, watch the video, honey. I am not getting into that. Woo! We don't need to. We don't that's need to. That's in three of the video. We don't need to. <laughs> the fourth video tells how I stopped. Okay. Anyway, uh, so um, I'm smoking. I'm wondering how I'm going to. I was getting hoarse. I was a mess, and it was yeah, terrible. Yeah, no kidding. Then this Lolita, this woman was on the stage, and she was going over her one song. I said, God, this girl can sing. So I go to Danny. I said, Danny. Can I give her three of my songs? He said, Vivian, I don't know about that. You're going to have to, you, you're going to, have to talk to Vanette about that. Oh, <laughs> that's how Danny talks. You have to talk to Vanette. So when I went to Vanette and I said, I want to give her three of my songs, and she said, okay, darling, do you sure you want to do that? That's how Vanette talks <laughs> or talks. And so I said, yeah. I said, that girl can really sing. So I ended up making her my co-star. That's very generous. I ended generous. up with eight, eight or nine songs, and she ended up with four. And I gave her the gospel song, and she would stop that show every night. Oh, wow. Every night. Wow. Every night. And when the reviews came out, I got great reviews. She got great reviews. Didn't cost me anything. But I had to. Cause classy. I, I followed her with this acapella. It's like a commentary on the universe mm. called Universe in Mourning. And she was straight out from the church. So on a Sunday afternoon, all them church folks from oh. from from in Chicago, from them churches, child, they would be in there. And Lolita had no no theater decorum whatsoever. So what she would do is she'd get happy, run into the wing around, uh -uh. just like they do in uh -uh. church, and in <laughs> on the other. like in the audience. And every time I thought I should go out on the stage because they were still applauding. I said, no, don't go out there yet. They yeah. still applauding. And then finally I would go out and I still had to wait for her applause to die <laughs> out. 
That is incredible. I mean, she she was ama- she threw down on that mm-hmm. too, and but I never, you know, I tell people when you are secure in what you have, given or extending something to someone else not gonna hurt you. Yes. I never regretted doing that for her, and that bitch stopped the show every night. <laughs> yeah. Every night, honey. It only helped That's you guys. Why, you know, when people say it's hard to follow me on stage, and I've made it very difficult in New York for people, mm-hmm. big names, to follow me on stage. So I know what that's like, because I was that person yeah. yes. who had to follow Lolita. Yes. But I never, I never regretted uh, making her my co-star because yeah. she, that girl was so immensely talented and we remained friends down through the years until mm. she died. Oh, yeah. wow. That's special. Yeah. Really special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Generosity yeah. of yes. is, ama- is amazing. Yeah. So what, what do you do between the gap of That's Entertainment, which is your Broadway debut, and your next Broadway show, Bubbling was, Brown Sugar? No, the next Broadway show was Don't, Don't Bother Me, oh, Don't 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 yeah. That's right. Um, they were kind of close together, yeah. those two shows. Um, and Bubbling wasn't too much Later, I think probably clubs, because that's what I did a lot. I, I I did a lot of clubs, and I still was recording, um, but never terribly happy with that. How come? I just think I didn't really care for the material, and I wasn't in charge. I like and being some in yeah, they told you what to yeah. sing. See, they didn't when you hear you the sound of of the, my CD, yeah, yeah, that's me being in charge. I like that. You know, or my gospel CD and other stuff. That's me being in charge because. I find that a lot of times that arrangers who are part producers, sometimes they will consider their arrangements in the mix mm. more than more than they will consider the singer. The voice, yes. That's why when you hear, sometimes when you listen listen to certain cuts and stuff and you and, the, and it seems like the music is overpowering the yeah. singer that's because they're favoring their arrangements it i've is. seen that happen so many times so and um i just i know i take in consideration nor do i want my voice all the way up here and the music down there because that's not good right. it needs to make a marriage collaboration yeah, yeah. It needs to make a marriage yeah it's got to support the singer what do you look for out of a director Someone who really knows what they're doing. I mean, I've I've been with um, in some shows with some very good directors, but I've also been in, in a couple shows where they just didn't have a clue. Yeah. They didn't do their homework, and they're looking for you to bring something to the table because they probably cannot. Mm. But somehow they got that job. Right. But most of the time, the oh, when I did Tartuffe, um, Bonnie. Ponte from uh, um, New Jersey Shakespeare Theater. Mm-hmm. Absolutely magnificent. Mm. Her, oh my God, her directing. She knows her craft, man. Oh my God, she's amazing. Yeah. She might be one of the best directors I've worked with. And also Lynn Taylor Corbett is a good director. Oh. You know what I like about Lynn? Do you know who she is? Yeah, oh yeah. Lyndon Swing. I was, I had to accept the fact down through the years that I am a strong performer and that a lot of directors are not going to take me into a show, especially in an ensemble piece. And I just couldn't understand that until Bernard Johnson said to me, "This okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give you, I forget what the name of the show was. It was at the roundabout. It was Candor and Ebb. And the director wanted me in the, oh, he really wanted me in the show. So he called up my agency, said, tell Vivian to come down. I want to show, I went down and blah, 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 blah. So now, I don't know which one came in, but one of them, either Candor or Ed, came in. And when they saw my name on the list, they said, uh-uh, uh-uh, this is not a show for Vivian. Nah, this is not a show for her. This is an ensemble piece. So 
when I got the news from my agent, uh, I called up Bernard Johnson. I was kind of upset. Yeah. And he said, Vivian, he said, listen, everybody is not going to want to take you in the show. And you know what? That has so proven to be true down through the years. They think you're a, 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 a you know, like you're <laughs> like a diva. I don't know. No, like, what it's do not they a think? Diva, like, too good. I think um, like you're gonna pull focus. Strong, like, like well, you have to understand a lot of a lot of times when when people put shows together, they want the show. They don't want anybody sticking yeah. out or stopping the show. They yeah. want the show to go like yeah. this. Like, I forget which big star it was Man of La Mancha at the um, West uh, is it Westchester Dinner Theater. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's up there. Yeah. I forget which, it was a big star, I forget which, because mm -hmm. this was years ago, and so I was asked to be on it with him, and he either got a film or something, but pulled out, and they threw, put me out too, they got rid of me too, and when the agent <coughs> did some, she said, I don't understand, he says, well, you know, who's going to put on the stage with her, so getting back, that's exactly what they told my agent, so getting back to Lynn Taylor Corbin, yeah. she did tintypes. And she called me up one evening and she said, Vivian, she said, I know you don't do ensemble. She said, but I really need you to do this piece and I promise you, I'm gonna surround you with some powerhouses. And that's what she did. Mm. There were five of us in that show mm. and everybody was great. Yeah, Everybody was great, but a lot of people are not gonna take that kind and of time. And keep up, to do yeah, that. no they're not. gonna do it. They're just not gonna. They're gonna mm -hmm. avoid it. Yeah. No, they're gonna avoid it. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying that every director and producer thinks that way. Now it's difficult uh, because they want big superstars yeah. on Broadway yeah. to fill the seats, so they think they need that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And even whether the people are qualified or not yeah. for the roles, and that that's sad because there's so many good people that not, who are not working. Mm -hmm. So, um, <laughs> but that's okay. But I learned to accept because the, the, here's here's the thing. I'm never going to go on stage and be less than what God gave me. It ain't going to happen. Yeah. So if it means that I don't work very often, then that's what it is. Hence, I'll do do nightclubs and create my right. own shows. Create yeah. your own opportunities. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. And which you've done since you were yes. very, very young. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Create your own opportunities. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. When you act in a straight play like Blues from Alabama Sky, it, yeah. which do you have a process on how to approach a role? Is it more instinctual? Um, do you spend a lot of time with the script or? I think that question was probably best answered after <laughs> after blues because uh, that was that was one of the first. But how I approach things now and have been for the last several years, um, like I just finished doing Tartuffe where I played um, oh, wow. Madame Pernell, yeah. okay. and it's rhyming couplets. Mm -hmm. So what I do is I will put the other characters' parts and record the other characters' parts, and I will actually say them as I think those characters would say them. And I will oh. try to pretend, like if it's a male that I'm dealing with in the scene, I will actually say it like this. And I do that, I do a fast version. These are for all my scenes. I do a fast version, an ultra slow version, and then just a regular version. So what? So in other words, you'll say the character's lines, you'll read that aloud, and the recorder's going, then you'll mouth yours, and just about the speed you can say it. So that when you're at home, and you don't have these actors to, to rehearse yeah. with, yeah. you have that. Oh, yeah. So oh, that works smart. for Very me. Smart. That works for me all the time. Yeah. All the time. And as far as learning the lines, um, hmm. Well, I just keep going over them. Like when I was working on Madame Pelnell in Tartuffe, I just walked my hallway at 2 and 3 in the morning every night. Mm. I just walked walk the hallway going over the lines. And if I 
if I had to, if I stopped suddenly, then I didn't know it that well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I tell I, yeah. t- I tell my 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 students, always do an activity. When you think you know something, wash dishes. I don't care. You could vacuum whatever, but if that activity comes to a halt, because you're trying to think of the lines, you don't know it. That's yeah. It. But if you could do them both, and the activity doesn't start, and you're still doing the lines, then you basically are there. Um, it's so nice to be civilized. Oh yeah, that was short-lived. <laughs> yeah, tell us about that. We don't talk well, about that show that much. Mickey Grant. Um, yeah. It. <clears throat> that was the. Hmm. Good material. I know just and with it was um Mabel King and I up over the um Oh yeah. Up over the title. I think we were up over the title. And um I liked all the material. I'm just oh, this one song that Mickey wrote, oh, that I absolutely love. Do you know who Oba Babatunde is? Of course. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oba was in that show and he helped me tremendously. She had, she had written this song called Like a Lady. Mm-hmm. It had eight verses and eight lines in each verse. <laughs> Lord, have mercy. And that was before my ap- acting chops yeah. right. Thanks, Mickey. were <laughs> like they are now. And I needed help. <coughs> and he helped me to find places where I could speak, sing, and that kind of thing. Um, he helped me tremendously with that song, and it was it was it was wonderful for me wow. in the show. I forget some of the other songs that I sang, but I remember that one. Wow! Oh Lord, it was at the end. I think of Act One it was great, great, great piece, great piece, and had good people. Mabel Robinson was the yeah. was the uh, choreographer. Good talent in the show. Um, I think either Danny or Carl Maltzby was the musical director. Yeah. I think Danny and Carl might have assisted. Uh, mm. Dan- yeah, I think it was yeah. Danny Holgate. But yeah, it was good songs. Some songs taken from some of her other shows. And But, you know. Things happen. Didn't find that. Yeah. Nah. What's it like being in a rehearsal with Mabel King? That, uh, she's a lot. She was a lot of fun. Well, she, yeah. you know, she passed away from, uh, she had uh, diabetes. Yeah. But, um, no, she was great. Just, just a bundle of joy, yeah. really, is the best way to des- describe how she was. Amazing, amazing talent, and an amazing actress and singer. You know, she combined the two, yeah. Yeah. and uh, so it was great. Good. It was great. And we had mentioned in our introduction Rosetta Lenoir. How did you two? Rosetta. How did you cross paths? Woman. Because um, when Danny called me up to tell me about, he, he was inviting me to a party at his home, and I asked him, "What?" I said, "Well, what are you doing?" And he said, "I'm doing this show called Bubbling Brown Sugar." I said, that is the dumbest name I have. What kind of dumb? You got to watch the video. It's out now. It came out today. You got to watch okay. that video. It's funny because we'll I go into it. details all about how I got into bubbling. And uh, <laughs> so anyway, so he said he was doing the show. And then he goes back to the party. And I said, I'm coming to the party. I'll be there. I'll be there. Now tell me about this show. So he said, it was just this little nothing show. He said, you know, there's nothing in it, blah, 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 blah. So I told him, I said, well, get me an audition. And he said, Vivian, it's just not a show. He said, it doesn't even pay that much. I said, Danny, just give me the audition. So anyway, he got me an audition. And my big song back then, I had one big Your audition one, honey, song? Like, my audition okay, piece, Okay, baby. We always ask this question. You're going to hear from me from Daisy Glover. Are you familiar with that? No. Great ballad. Wow. It does that. It starts like that. And boom. Bam. And it's about 
making it big, becoming a star. Of course, I can't sing that now because yeah. a young, a young, young girl, should, a young woman should sing it. Anyway, um, so I went in there, and they came up on the stage. The director came up on the stage and wanted to hire me. And so I said, so what's the role? There was no role. There was no role. And I said, well, why are you hiring me? They said, because we like your singing. So Fred Benjamin, who was the choreographer then, Billy Wilson didn't come into it until we were you know, going out on the road and about to come to Broadway. I asked him if he had all his dancers, because I had been studying for a year. And so he said, do you, do you dance? I said, well, I've been studying for a year. He said, well, I'm going to have to give you some choreography. So he did, and I guess he liked what he saw. So I became the fourth dancer. And, uh, and initially, it wasn't Georgia Brown. It was going to be St. Louis Woman. When Danny, com he compiled this whole list of songs yeah. for me to consider, <clears throat> and we were going down through the list. When I saw St. Louis Woman, I said, well, what about that? He said, okay, well, let's put that on the list. And then we go on to something else. But when we started working on St. Louis Woman, it didn't do anything for me. I just, I didn't, it just it wasn't doing anything for me. Huh. I said, Danny, I don't think I want to sing this. So then he sat there for a moment. He said, well, what about Sweet Georgia Brown? I said, mm. okay, yeah, I like that. And initially it was going to be done in the crook of the piano. Oh. Just no gal may, just moving side to side like that. And so I said, mm -mm, this needs something. It needs something. And so I went over to Fred. I said, Fred, I think I would like to turn Sweet Georgia Brown into a song and dance. What do you think? He said, Vivian, that's a good idea. He said, let me work on something. Now, Fred Benjamin, when we did uh, Sweet Georgia Brown in the showcase at mm. Amos Theater, which it was at that particular time up on 86th Street, mm. and that's where I met Rosetta. Right. Uh, she founded it. Mm -hmm, oh, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, his was very artsy, very dancey, very technical, mm. but it was good. Mm -hmm. But when the show went on and they found the money, they didn't take Fred. They decided to go with Billy Wilson's. And Billy Wilson's uh, Sweet Georgia Brown was just straight up camp. Mm. And a lot of people have asked me which did I prefer. I would probably say Billy Wilson's because your audience, the audience could identify with it because it was all the bumps and then the guys would fall to the oh ground yeah. and all. It was just it was a fun number to do. It was a camp number, yeah. but Fred's was very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But from an audience Both point valid, of view, but just different yeah, aesthetics. yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So that's how that happened. And so I ended up in Bubbling Brown Sugar with uh, Sweet Georgia Brown. God bless a child in my solitude, which was done with four guys yeah. and the big tap number at the end. I had four songs, and I took myself out of being the fourth dancer. You did. I wanted to have an entrance. Yeah. I mean, and Hello. I wanted that entrance to be Sweet Georgia Brown. I don't have no time. To you be, want? No. Nah, we ain't doing no, no dance now. You want an entrance? Yeah, I want an entrance. I want it in my number. <laughs> That's right. And you got a Tony nomination yes, for it. For that and for High Rollers. Okay, so let's talk about a Tony nomination the first time. How, what's that like? It was fine, except I knew that I wasn't going to win because I didn't really know too much about all of that. But we here we were in Chorus Lines Theater, and they were getting all the awards, and I didn't want to go sit down, you know, with a camera. Mm. Yeah. I didn't want to go sit down. They said, Vivian, you got to go. The, if that camera hits on you and you're not there and that seat, it'll hit on an empty seat. 
So I, because I knew I wasn't going to win, you know, right. but I was in really great company with Cheetah Rivera, Donna mm -hmm. McKechnie, and uh, Gwen Verdon. Yeah. Oh. I was in great company. Uh, yes. Yeah, that's yes. that was great company. Nice. So it, it was wonderful to be nominated. Was this also the same time that people named you one of the most. 25. Yeah. Intriguing uh, yeah, it would be maybe a year after that, somewhere. But yeah, yes. at the same time. Yeah, one of the yeah. twenty-five most intriguing people, people. of the year. <laughs> that's yeah. that's awesome. Isn't and that nice. And yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to sixty percent on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin, or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And you were not, you weren't that much older than a child at this yeah, point, I was right? Basically, still pretty young. How do you yeah. process all this? Here's a Tony nomination. Ooh, now, people's coming hitch. at you. Now, Mr. Black Show, too. I mean, it ran a yeah. nice run. Because I think, because I had had so many years of classical training and I had a good, solid foundation, mm. um, I just think it, it, it was the years. Of, it was not like I woke up one morning and discovered I had a wonderful voice, and so now I'm going to go into show business, and then, boom, all of this bubbly brown sugar hits me. Because I had been in front of audiences, and I think that helps a lot. You know, let me tell you, you know what was the biggest mistake I made? Not going to London and doing the show. I just didn't, I had been doing it for a long time, and when I got off the plane, the photographers and everybody was there. Oh, God, I remember that wow. day. And when we, when we had the meeting, he wanted me for four months and I didn't want to do it but for two months, mm -hmm. just like I did in France, and that was a big mistake. Okay. I mean, you, you have to get over it. I don't, yeah, every now and then I, I mean, always, think yeah. about it, but there were sure. a couple buttes, a couple decisions that I made during my career that I wish I had made right. a different decision. But you still had Paris, and you still, yeah. I mean, yeah. you still yeah. made the yeah. splash. Oh, yeah, because I came there. back after I left Paris, because uh, Pierre Cardin was in the audience, and he came back in the room with his attache to press, his uh, PR person, and um, he was interpreting for Pierre, and Pierre wanted me to come to his theater. So they worked it out. So a year later, um, m me and my band, we returned to Paris and worked uh, his theater, which was called L'Espace Cardin, uh -huh. which is called because it's still there. Yeah. And uh, that's how I got in with Pierre Cardin. And then I went back to, to uh, New York and decided that maybe I wanted to spend some time in France. So I ended up. Uh, living there for seven years, but I would come home like, oh, like twice a year. But I always kept my apartment on on, on uh, in New York. Always kept oh the apartment. Yes. I never gave that up. And so I did a lot over there. You, you know, I did a lot of TV. I had my own TV special. I had my own. Yeah. I had a TV wow. show. 
I had no idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you did oh. nightclub acts and stuff in Paris? I did. Was there I any did. Scene well, they were called there? galas. I would do galas like, I didn't do so much nightclub as I would do concert. Mm-hmm. Galas for like large corporations like Mercedes, mm-hmm. uh, Fiat, um, any of the big corporations, you know, where they would have their yearly gala and that they paid a lot. And sometimes they would mm-hmm. be at the sporting club or they would be at other special. And a lot of the stars were coming over doing that. And that's what I did mostly. That's how I made a lot of money. Yeah. And um, but not so much nightclubs. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, what makes you decide then to leave Paris and then come back to New York? Is it that was just time. Oh mm-hmm. well, yeah, with the terrorist activities because at some point there were five bombs inside of two weeks and they were targeting uh, places where Americans went. And so I said, you this know what? This is the late seventies, early eighties. No, it's in eighties. Eighties now. Okay. So I said, you know what? It's time for me to get back to New York. Yeah. But coming back to New York was not easy because it was almost like starting Starting over over. because I had had been gone a long time. Seven years as a New York time is a lot, at least in our business it feels like it's a lot. lot. But, you know, I hung in there and, and, you know, things started to happen. So you you decided, though, then to come back to New York, though, after all of this. And it is like hitting the reset button. Yeah, I think the first thing um, after doing Sophisticated Ladies, uh, because I went back over to do that, then the next thing I think was High Rollers. Yeah, I think which it was High Rollers in '92 or something like that. Yeah. yeah, which is where your second Tony nomination yes. comes from. Now, what was this show? What was High Rollers? It was a review, um, and Alan Toussaint, uh, Alan Toussaint, the songwriter who wrote Lady Marmalade mm-hmm. and all of those songs, great uh, prolific songwriter. Uh, it was just a compilation of a lot of songs. Um, I liked it. It was a great role for me because I was like a chameleon in the show. One one minute I was uh, like a, oh, I don't know, like the lover to, um, what's his name, Michael you, Michael McElroy. Do you know that name? Oh, yeah. I Michael's. think Michael, Michael McElroy is show. so special. Yes. He's yeah. one of my favorite performers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard his name in a while, yes. so I just got a little excited. Okay. Yeah, so I played his love interest, and then I would turn around another scene and be a voodoo queen. And baby, when I tell you what, I sang this song called Marie, Le- Marie Laveau. And I remember, oh, what's the big designer? She's not around too much anymore, but she used to win all the Tonys. She did Dream Girls, Lord uh, Aldridge, something. Tony Aldridge. Tony Aldridge. 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 Yes. She was she was the uh, designer. And so I told her, because we had to cover up the red dress, because the thing that I was doing with Michael McElroy, which was Lady Marmalade, was going to be done after this Marie Lavone number. And so she brought in this cape. I looked like I stepped off the cover of Vogue. I said, honey, no, we got to do something to this guy. She's our voodoo queen. You got to <laughs> yeah. hook this cape up. And she says, what do you mean? I said, honey, it needs bones and feathers and all of that kind of stuff. And she was like, this was a Halston cape, yeah. and I don't know what they spent. I don't know what kind of money they spent. But all I know is, baby, when she came in with that cape, baby. She did it? Woo, what? She did it. Baby, she hooked that cape up. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It was fabulous. I mean, mm. it was so great what she did to that cape. All kind of holes, and it was feathers and bones hanging from it. It was a mess. It was so right for that for oh. that character. She was a genius. Yeah, yeah. she was. Yeah. Truly, she, that she would do that. She's still living, though, right? She's still living? No, she passed. She passed. Yeah, she is quite a legend. But I love that she was willing to to take a risk and to just do what you said, to listen to the actor. But she was brilliant. Where did the love of design come from? Yeah. 
My mother was a fabulous seamstress, and she taught me how to sew mm. when I was about 10. I, and I could sew, and my mother was incredible. When my mother got older, I always wanted to start a scarf line. I wanted to do this, but when I took myself out of the business so I could be available to her to go back and forth to Pittsburgh, and Aww. my brother was, he was in the house with her, but I just wanted to be available to, to her because my father had passed and everyone, everything. So I just, my heart wasn't in it to start the scarf line. Now, my mother died in my arms. She passed in my arms. I wouldn't give anything for that, honey. That was the most beautiful passing because the hospice, the nurses, they showed me how to read the, the breathing signs. Like when they start to breathe like really quickly, they, you know that they're, cause uh -huh. the intake of the air is like coming quickly. Anyway, so she passed and uh, after she passed, it was time to get back to my career and that's when I started the scarf and poncho line. Who are some of your favorite designers? Where do you find inspiration in terms of creating the silhouette oh and the fabrics? And um, I, I'm gonna have to go back on that. Yeah. One of my all-time favorite designers was um, Azadine Alaya. Azadine Alaya did Tina Turner, he did a lot of the biggies. Mm. But you really had to have a body for it because his clothing was very tight and everything, but so unique, so different. Um, mm. That's a good one. I'm just trying to think. I haven't. I'd have to go in my closet no, and look. <laughs> I'd have to go in my closet oh. and look. Well, you've seen I mean, so I much, something, so it's yeah, like... because I mean, I, No, I do have a lot of yeah. designer stuff, but... Oh, but see, they're all French designers, like Castobajac, um, 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 but he's out of France. Uh, but that's the school of design that you gravitate yes. from it? Or okay, yeah. yeah. Well, you mean when I do what I yeah. do? Oh, no, not at all. These are just people I wear. Mm. Ah. Yeah, because I only make... I only do ponchos and scarves. I don't draft. Yes. I, I never learned to do that because my mother didn't do it, so she taught me what she knew. Yeah. So, like, for instance, when I design, I have a dressmaker. Her name um, is Cassandra Bromfell. So what I do is I'll do my renderings, which ugh, not great, but she understands it now. <laughs> That's all that she matters. Understands. <laughs> so I've always designed clothes for myself. Um, I like things that drape, and I like big sleeves and big all of this. I don't really pull that from any particular person. I just like drapey things. Um, and like I said, I like a lot of asymmetrical stuff. Um, like one arm in or the other arm has mm -hmm. a sleeve. I just love the all asymmetrical. Mm -hmm. the asymmetrical, yeah. yes. So yeah, but I, I do I do love good designers and I and I love fashion. And we can yes, get your stuff clearly. on Etsy? Etsy, yeah. I have a line actually for, for men too, men's scarves. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Good. I started Winter's because coming. some people were were asking me. And so I did I did start a line, so yeah. A little bit later, but uh, Marie Christine. Marie but Christine. Talk about something completely different from most of the stuff you've done on Broadway. Yeah, right? actually, uh, yeah, I didn't really want to In style, do, you know, yes. even though it's more operatic, I yes. mean, I would say it's more I of an opera Marie than... I love Marie Christine. I think same. it just wasn't promoted correctly. I think they tried to 
push it too much in in the direction of musical theater. Uh-uh. No. This is the Michael John listeners. This Michael is the at uh, yes at, at Lincoln Center with uh, Audrey Mac the great Audrey McDonald, uh, and uh, and it it was I it I'm was a fan opera. of I'm a fan of Michael John's. Contemporary it opera. was a contemporary they theater and opera. This is it really exactly was like Regina or something like that. This you is know? exactly what the lady from the Times did because uh, the alternate for. Um, Ardra, because she didn't, uh, I think she only did six shows a week or five, yes. and she had an alternate, Sherry You're Boone, correct. who was amazing. Yes. And they, a woman, um, I forget the, 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 the writer, the critic, she came back to review Sherry Boone, and she said that it's too bad that this won't see too much the light of day because it, it should have been called a yeah. contemporary opera, Yeah. and it wasn't. Somewhere they between the two art forms. Yeah, yeah, because, see, the thing is, if you really love musical theater and you're not crazy about a contemporary opera or, or the kind of music that Michael writes, there, I don't believe there were gray areas with Marie Christine. You either loved it or you hated it. I a, a, a thousand percent agree with you. You, hated it. you are that's, so right, that's, Vivian. Yeah, that's what I would tell my friends when you're they were so coming. I said, right. look, I gotta warn you. <sighs> this is not typical musical theater. That's what they're calling it. This is really a contemporary opera, so don't come to me afterwards saying, what is this? Blah, 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 blah. But yeah, it, that, was, that piece was so special. <coughs> it was so, so yeah. special. And he wrote a song for me, because I wasn't going to do the Vivian Beaumont. I didn't want to do it. The role was too small. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do it in Graziella. says, Vivian, Vivian, I have to have you. I have to have you. I said, no, go have your auditions. I don't want to do it. <laughs> and I said, the role was too small. And so I said, have the auditions, because I guess you had to be able to sing the classical and that's right. Yeah, that's right. So she called me. I was in Pittsburgh, and she called me in Pittsburgh. She says, I've had the auditions that I can't find. I must have you. I must have you. And she says, and Michael John wrote a song for you. I said he did. And then she had Michael John called, and he had written Miracles and Mysteries. Yes. And um, so then they talked, yeah. both talked me into it. And, and a very, it's, yes. I, as, as, it's a beautiful song. It's a good song. Yeah, it's a great song. It's a great yes. song. It, it really yeah. is. And um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, but Marika scene w w was, was wonderful. You like to give back, don't you? Oh, absolutely. And you teach now, right? I teach for Marymount Manhattan uh, College. I teach uh, voice. Oh, my you goodness. teach voice. And, yes. And I was teaching a performance class, which I, is what I love. That's actually my favorite thing to do. But if I have a gig to do, it's hard to make up that many Of course. Students. So yep, I, I we get that. We're teachers. We totally get it. Yeah, you feel obligated to them too. I gotta perform, honey. Yeah, exactly. What are some of the greatest lessons that you have that you would like to impart onto the next generation of artists? Um, that you just don't get anything for free. That you have to work your butt off. You just things are not just going to be handed to you. And also, you can say, "I want, I want, I want." But can you back it up? Mm. Yes. See, so many people want a lot in this business because they think they're owed. And then when they see someone else in the show getting accolades from the press or whatever, and then they get mad because it's not them. But they don't consider the work, the hard work. Just like, for instance, with Bubbling Brown Sugar, um, Ethel Beatty, who played the role of Ella, we were sitting having lunch one day, and she said, you know, Vivian, I heard there's going to be a big tap number at the end of the show. I had never taken tap. Um, she said, I heard there's going to be a big tap number at the end of the show. I said, really? I said, oh. I said, are you going to study it? She said, oh, I don't know. But I immediately started studying tap, and I ended up leading the tap in white tuxedo and top hat. 
Mm. And the rest is history. Exactly. Yeah. That is a good, that is such good you know, advice because you are, yeah. that is exactly right. You have to back People it up. You have to put in the work. When I studied dance, I didn't study it as a singer mm. to want to learn how to move well. I studied it as wanting to learn how to be a dancer with a dancer's mentality. Mm -hmm. That's how I studied it. Yeah. I didn't study it as a singer. I studied yeah. it as a dancer. Right. And I had all the pulled muscles and everything yeah. the dancers <laughs> go through. <laughs> Listen, this is what I say. I've seen great singers who couldn't make my toe move. And I've heard ho-hum singers who made me cry. It is about the lyrics. Because if you don't deal with the lyrics, That's right. yeah. That's yeah. you have no, it means nothing. It's like a dancer who dances with, and, and it doesn't come from someplace. Oh. It doesn't come from within. People, they, they don't get it. It's got to be about the lyrics. Otherwise, it's just a beautiful voice singing words. Yeah. It's, a, it's nothing. It's not. And see, when I sing, I zone, I go somewhere, I go inside. And I tell, I tell my students, you'll find that you won't get as nervous when you go into an audition when you are so in tune as to what that song is about and what that lyrics are saying. You'll be so into that, you won't even be thinking about uh, these people looking at you at, at an audition. No way. You know, they have this thing that they're doing now, and I, I, you, you've probably seen it, I don't know where these kids are getting it from. Well, yeah, I do, because my students told me. Because I one day I just asked, I said, "Where is this coming from?" And it's across America, and probably in Europe too. I don't know what these young singers are doing or performers are doing. They come and they stare at a spot, and they don't move their arms. They're staring at a spot. That is the most. Uh, Nobody lives like that. <laughs> Nobody. Lives but, uh, so when they come, when it's a new student that comes to me, I said, okay, let me tell you how I am in this studio. You're going to have, I'm going to give you three weeks to get over that. I need to turn you into a performer. I, I'm going to definitely work on your, your singing technique, but I have to turn you into a performer. I said, because coming in, staring at a spot, you, do you all know how cray-cray you look? Exactly. Right? For two minutes, literally, one thing. You're nothing yeah. else. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. But here's the joy. Once the singers find out what that is, they never go back. That is, yeah, yes, that's true. You're right. They never go back because it's like a release. Yes. They can now enjoy performing. And I said, I want you to use your arms. In fact, use them to the point that I say, okay, now, your right. arms are upstaging you. <laughs> it's better that I pull you back yes. than for you to be standing up here like this. But I taught up at Berkeley College of Music, and, <laughs> you know, me and my mouth, I do curse a lot. But they should have locked my ass up underneath the jail, child, please. <laughs> but anyway, I told them because they thought I was funny, and I was always voted as you know, what, the most popular teacher because I brought the street to them. See, here's what I'm against, mm. and I'm not saying that people should not get their degrees. I'm not saying that. But this is the problem I have with these schools who hire these graduates right after they've come out of college. You can do that for any other industry but not for show business. You have students. They need to be instructed by someone who's been out there, done that. How, the person that you just hired, who just graduated, what do they bring to the table? Tell me. Have you been in a nightclub? Have you gotten horse? Have you been on the Broadway stage? Have you done anything? 
that could give that gives you credentials to teach these kids. Yeah, yeah. We, we, that's a big problem with it's me. A that's a pet peeve with me. It's a handed down art form absolutely. from generations. Yeah. So absolutely, we have to, you're, I, I could not agree more absolutely. with you. Absolutely, it drives me yeah. crazy. Oh, I feel you. So I here I come up to Berkeley, and they had classical te- They had classical teachers up there. What? In the doors of Berkeley, College of Music come hip hop, R and B, rock, gospel, jazz, very little theater. Classical? Are you kidding mm-hmm. me? What could they possibly <laughs> teach somebody yeah. singing hip hop? So people were anxious to study with me, yeah. and right. but I, I now, what I did with <laughs> with because you know, let's look at the other side of it. These kids be riffing without a cause. Riffing mm. without All a cause. All over the place. It's like the melody don't don't exist. Riffing without a cause riffing is so perfect. Without I a might cause. steal that because that's Baby, this one guy, when they had me come in to, to it was like the, the, um, they said, Vivian, can you come? They had a gospel choir up at, up at uh, Berkeley. They said, we'd like you to sit in on the audition. So I said, okay, fine, and help us with that. I said, okay, fine. And they had a great choir. Baby, this guy came in, <laughs> and he was singing Amazing Grace, right? He said, I said, wow, hold it. I said, wait a minute now. I know you're not about to sing Amazing Grace, and you ain't got to the second syllable. Are you kidding me? I went off. He probably thought, oh, I'm going to sing in front of Vivian Reed. I'm going to show her a mic. No, I said, do you even know the melody to this? Amazing grace. Do you even know that? That's all it needs. And you can take off if you want. And even when you take off, see, to me, how I teach is establish the melody, how the composer wrote it, what he wrote. Establish that melody. You have to find ways how to manipulate your vocal folds to even caress those straight notes that you're singing. There's ways to do that and make a person feel without you having to resort to riff, oh riffs to get your emotions Preach. across. That's ridiculous. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. And then even if you do and you want to embellish a bit, that I embellish usually the second time around, yes. but I do it within reason. So, YouTube, how did that come about? Oh, YouTube. I know, switching gears because, a little bit. Because... Um, Several people had asked me about writing a book. Oh, mm-hmm. like, oh, writing a book, you know. I mean, I could have done it with someone, but I just that just didn't interest me. So I decided, you know, why don't I talk about my life and how I got started? That might be very interesting. So I got, because you can't use a camera, the, the kind of lights that you use for photography. It's yeah. a different lighting, different sure. temperature and, and everything. So I did my research. Can you know I'm going to do my yes, research? Yes, of course. Honey? So I went out and I got some lights and um, and I and I like to talk as you can tell. <laughs> I love it. And I'm good at, at just speaking extemporaneously. So I just started talking about my life and I there there about third about I would say somewhere between twelve and fourteen minutes. The bubbling brown sugar is a little oh. bit longer, twelve that's to fourteen perfect. minutes. That's reasonable. I mean perfect. that's that's. Uh, and I talk about the smoking, the whole thing, how I started. Oh. Um, because a lot of people didn't know that. Listeners, they please go. We'll post the YouTube, but yeah. listen to the YouTube. I'm going to go. Vivian, I'm Vivian Reed channel. And yeah. it's funny. It's, oh, yeah. It's oh, you're hysterical. They're, I mean, they're of course. funny. They're funny. And I'm also going to do how-to videos. Oh, I just good. finished the one on microphone technique. It boggles my mind when someone takes a microphone and they have a voice like mine that's very big. It stays right here no matter whether they're singing soft, loud, or whatever. And they don't understand what it does to the listener's ears. Yeah. So... 
I explain all that. It's called Microphone Technique 101. I haven't released that yet. That'll okay. probably be released next week. That's and fun. I'm going to do it on dealing with lyrics, how to deliver a song, how to know the stage. Free listen, education. He, listen, here's the thing. If you think that the only thing that's important when you're on stage is your instrument, your voice, you better think again. You need to know about the lights. You need to know about the sound. You need to know about your arrangements. All of that goes together into making a great show. Other than that, you just standing up, just singing, and yeah. I'm not gonna say you'll be boring, but it's not very no, interesting. Yeah. yeah, there's so much more. There's so much more yeah. to learn. There's so much more to learn and see, and I'm about that. And so whatever I learned, like Bobby Schiffman from the Apollo, he said, you're probably going to end up doing a lot of covers. I don't know what your recording career is going to be like. He said, but Vivian, when you do someone else's song, it has to have your stamp. Mm. It cannot, you cannot be copying that person. He drilled that into me. And that's why I'm like that. I take pieces of music and I sit down and see what I want. Make it your own. I make it my own. And still honor the original of Gold. Absolutely. Beautiful. Absolutely. Beautiful. Absolutely. And we can see some of Vivian's amazing work on Saturday, October yes, 20th. October 20th. At 7 o'clock p.m. at the Green Room Green 42. Room. I would get your tickets now because it's probably going to sell out. Oh, I hope so. What was the impetus to create a Lena Horn show? Because I got a, a call from uh, Daniel Nardiccio, who's an up-and-coming producer, and he said, Vivian, this was the tail end of 2016. He said the um, Lena Horne Centennial is coming up. And I had done his uh, Edith Piaf Centennial. Yeah. Mm. So um, he said, I think you should put a show on Lena. And I thought, okay, because she did a, a, a wonderful generosity, um, extended a generosity to me years ago when I was being managed by the owners of the Apollo Theater. So I didn't really hesitate. I just started putting it. Now, the, the hardest thing was the choice of material because yeah. it was so much because she so was many. the American song book yeah. big time. Yeah. You know, right. so that was the pick? hardest part. Yeah. And so, well, my manager from Canada, he just sent like um, about 200, 250 songs and I just wow. went through them and some of them I knew, some of them I didn't. Yeah. And that's how I picked on when you're creating a show like that, do you mm -hmm. prefer that the music being sent to you is just sheet music so you're not hearing her voice, or do you prefer the actual recordings I of her? I can, no, uh, because I'm very much familiar with Lena Horne's voice. I could hear, uh, um, what's one of, I could hear Beyonce sing something a million times and never pick up her riffs. Mm -hmm. I don't ever pick up someone's style. Mm -hmm. You know, I will listen to it now, in the case of Lena, I downloaded everything because I think he sent it through to, uh, everything to me um, through WeTransfer. And so I downloaded it, put it on um, a CD, and just when I would be traveling, I would just listen to it either on my iPod. And I would just listen, nah, nah, yeah, yeah. And then I just had a thing like a little paper or something mm -hmm. where I would jot it down. And then probably I wouldn't go back to it. Mm, okay. Well, with her being a, a strong activist yeah you know for civil rights i had to find a song and i wasn't it wasn't happening and i'm listening and i'm listening and i'm listening then i hear now is the moment now so i'm saying okay wait a minute please please be something serious that yes. i can sing but and when she said um so i took a look in my old history books 
I said, and then when okay. I when I listened to all of the lyrics, that was the song. Okay. Oh well. Okay. So during the show, it's probably that song comes just before I've grown accustomed to your face, which seg segues into stormy weather. That's the most serious part of my show when I start the um, the whole uh, monologue and everything about uh, her civil right activism. Mm -hmm. That's when it gets serious. Other than that, the show's pretty light and everything, but that's, that chunk is serious because I talk about the death of the four men who had had an impact yeah. in her yeah. life and how they all kind of passed away along within the same kind of period. You mentioned that you you had a connection to her when you had the managers from the yes. Apollo. Can I ask about that? Yeah, you know, I mean, I talk, you meet, you I talk about it in the show. What happened is um, this lady, uh, Ernestine McClendon, had heard me sing somewhere, and so she said, I'm going to take you by the... She said, I'm going to take you by the Apollo. I talk about this is in one of the videos <laughs> on the channel. Oh, yeah, we'll um, talk about the YouTube said, later. said, yeah. um, I'm going to take you by the Apollo to see if I can get you some work. <laughs> <laughs> I was only singing classical music. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, I didn't know much Apollo? about yeah. uh, but I knew they weren't doing that. But anyway, I went on, went ahead and went with her, and um, I met Bobby Schiffman and Honey Coles, and... Um, I don't know what I could have sung, maybe Summertime or something, but it was still kind of classical, but I used yeah. to do these things with my voice. Anyway, he said, Bobby Schiffman said, well, it's not the kind of music we do here, but we like to manage you because you're, you're so gifted. So they became my managers, Bobby Schiffman, and he, Bobby taught me all about the business of show business, and Honey Coles taught me about the stage. They made mm. me, when I wasn't in Juilliard, I watched every show that came in there. I saw some of the greats. You were I like 20, everything. 21, or like No, not even. I was really? like, um, like a teenager. Because I graduated from school early because I skipped a grade because of my reading ability. To, so I was in New York by 17. Oh, wow. Oh so this would have been... The second year, about 18. Cause it so was when you went to that club when you were young, you were really oh, young Oh, I was underage because yeah. I ended up working there. They asked me, after they heard me sing, she, Josephine Cooper, who was the singing mm. hostess, she asked, she told me that she was going away on a voyage. That's what she said. Oh. I'm going away <laughs> on a voyage, on a, you know, cruise. Yes. And um, would I be interested in taking her place while she was gone? And she was gone, I like, think, like three or four weeks. And it was just going to be for the weekend when I wasn't in school. So I said, yeah, and so, uh, but I was working there illegally because they never asked my agent. I never said, and I never told Amazing. them because I think you have to be 21, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, serve alcohol, yeah. Yeah, they never yeah. asked, and oh I never my told God. them. I mean, good job, you had a job. Oh, so, yeah. so I interrupted you, but That's so okay. Lena then. When you so Lena, so they were my managers, and her uncle, Mr. Burkhorn, was the accountant for the Apollo Theater. So one day... Bobby called me over, I mean, called me at home, and he says, I want you to come over. I have something to show you. So I went over to the Apollo, went into his office, and there was this huge brown trunk. And I said, well, what is that? And he said, open it up. So I lifted the lid, and inside were these beautiful gowns. I mean, absolutely beautiful gowns. What happened is Bobby asked Mr. Horn to ask Lena if she had any gowns that she wasn't wearing anymore and would she consider giving them to this young budding artist and she sent this trunk, o trunk over. I wore two or three of them but there was one that I really wore more than any of the others. It was this black um, black satin with an overlay of lace and then there was this shocking pink cummerbund like right in the, at the, mm -hmm. at the waist. I wore that a lot and it was strapless. It was absolutely gorgeous oh. but yeah but you know what 
It's like me. I give my stuff away. Well, that's yeah. you have helping to. a yeah. younger artist. Absolutely, you're, 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 you're helping the next generation, and just like yes. she did, that is just yeah, that, and that yeah. amazing. And I was Classy. able to thank her years later when she uh, came to Broadway in 1981 in the Lady and Her Music, oh. yeah. and I reminded her that I was the oh. young young girl that she had um, extended that. It's pretty cool. That's pretty special. Awesome. That's really incredible. Yeah, that's special. Yeah. yeah. And do you direct the shows yourself, or do you have a structure? No, I have a conductor. You have a conductor. Oh, you mean direct Like, like, like actually put a structure of how all oh, the songs yeah, are Oh, yeah, I create going. all the shows. Oh, my God. I've created, let's see, I'm going into my fourth show. Okay. Yeah, I create great. the show with the patter, and that's another thing. I have patter in my show, but I don't, things are scripted, but I don't memorize anything. Mm. Right. See, I treat my audience like their friends in my living room, the mm. just the way I talk to them. Exactly. I just, you know, yeah. like for instance, I'm not a drinker, but they had put two water bottles <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the piano at the green room in the last show on June 30th. I said, hey, don't y'all recognize a lady? Y'all should have given me a glass or something like hey, that. Exactly. So then I said, so the audience was laughing. So I took the bottle and I, as I was putting it up to my mouth, and this wasn't even planned, it just came out. I said, Honey, the only thing I like drinking out of a bottle is liquor. <laughs> and everybody and said, oh, they, went, they were laughing. It was funny as hell. But I do stuff like that. And I was yeah. in the middle of something about Lena, but I would have never done that had it been a serious monologue about Lena. I would have never oh, done that. But yeah. that was in more of the relaxed part of the show. The spirit. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. Nice. Wow. Oh, I, I, I should tell you this. Mm. When I did the uh, Standards and More, um, show that I created, and that was at the Metropolitan Room. Mm -hmm. mm. My students came. Oh. You know, I only allow them to have one cry. <laughs> They're allowed to have one cry. You know, because when you're that young, you get very sensitive when somebody tells you and they're giving you constructive criticism, so yes. to cry. So, what I say is, go in that powder room, get yourself together, and when you come out, we gonna talk. Oh my and God! They come out. I said, sit down. You will never cry in here again. That's your one cry. You are not allowed to have another cry. I said, what you think you're going to do out in the professional world when a director gives you notes? You're going to cry? I said, he will get rid of you. Mm -hmm. I said, so I'm preparing you. You will never cry in here again. And they don't. So they all came to see me at this one show. So I'm talking. And I let, <laughs> I'm at the audience. So I said, you know, my students are here. And there were about 12 of them, 10 or 12 of them sitting at this table. An audience clapped. I said, wave your hand. <laughs> I said, yeah, I tell them. A director give you, give you a note, suck it up. You know, and <laughs> I said, just suck it up. And I said, so students, how many cries do you get? <laughs> and they all said, what? <laughs> I love it. Actually, I like that a lot. I love it. Because it's true. It's scary. <laughs> yeah, you can't. I mean, you can't cry every time somebody. Ooh. I never cried. Now, yeah. there, there's been two of my students in the four years that I've been with them never cried. But the majority of them have. Of course. They'll, have, they'll get. <laughs> such an impressionable time, you know. Yeah. And as educators, and at least a little thing can rattle yeah. them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, but it's good for you for getting them yeah. used to what the business oh, yeah. is going to oh, be like. Oh, yeah. you got to get ready for this. Yeah. Uh, so Everything. once again, Vivian Reed at Green Room 42 on Saturday, October 20th mm. at 7 o'clock p.m. Cover charge is 20 to $30. This is a no food uh, and drink yeah, minimum. Yeah, $60. Oh, $60 oh there's $60 too. premium. But that's uh, right near the stage. That gets I would, sit up. Yeah. Yeah. I would I pay know, for that. I would to go. sit up close to mm -mm. watch you. Oh, my God. Please. The middle of the 30? Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, that's, those are the best seats. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that's always the case. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, thank you so much for not only today, but... 
all the music that you've given us throughout oh, your entire you. career. You are thank such you. a special gift, and we are thank so you. honored that we got to share some time thank with you today. Thank you so much. It's been so great. This was so much fun. Thank good. You for us. Happy yes. had a good time. Yes. Yes. Thank yeah. you. All right. Till next time. Bye, everybody. Vivian Reed, Green Room 42, Saturday, October 20th, 7 o'clock p.m. See you there. See ya. Bye. Stars in your multitude, scarce to be counted. Filling our iTunes. They're not scarce to be counted, actually, Rob. Uh, no, that is correct. There's many to be counted. In fact, scarcely there's less than four. I believe there are five stars there for are almost all of them. Five stars for most of our podcast, ladies and gentlemen. So this is how iTunes Thank works. Thank you. Every time you rate us positively, we move up on the iTunes chart. So anytime anyone searches for theater and Broadway, the first things that come up are the highest rated podcasts. Huzzah! Huzzah! We would like to be there as well. So now we're going to give you instructions on how to rate and mm-hmm. review us, yep, and we hope... It's very simple it. and yet not simple at all. So, Kevin, we go to podcasts. Go to podcasts. And then what go do we to, search for? You Actually, go to iTunes if you can. Go to iTunes. Don't <laughs> go to podcasts. podcasts. Yes, and then, and then go to podcasts. And then you search it's for it. Well. And then you're going to search for Behind the Curtain, Broadway's Living Legends. What's our that? Podcast. Oh, that's it's our podcast. podcast. It's lovely. Oh I hear it's God. great. Rob Schneider, Dead Sexy. And then go to go? Ratings and Reviews. Click that. That's in the middle of the page. Then you're going to go to Write a Review. It's under Custom Reviews. It's a little tab. It's tiny. It says Write a Review. Click it. Give us five. Don't give us four. Give us five. If you want to give us four, that's okay, but just let us know why. No, I have issues with that. Okay, okay. Rob doesn't want you to do that, but give us five, um, and um, and we'll thank you. Um, and Rob always sends them to me, and it makes my day when he emails them to me, so, you know, thanks in advance. <laughs> yeah, it can, I, Kevin sometimes cries a lot, so it's nice to see well, Kevin you know. get a... He, he just bucks up like a happy little young filly when he sees... Five stars coming his way. That's right. I promised Kevin that if we could get all five stars, I will stop doing my impressions that he doesn't like so much. So, so there we go, you guys. That's all, all it takes. Where am I going? Oh, Jesus Christ. Because I didn't get a star. I feel like Judy Garland. Moving on down. <laughs> I'm Esther Blodgett in A Star is Born. I was not allowed back on set after I stole James Mason's penny loafers. They looked marvelous on me. See? This is what happens. Give me five stars, you never have to hear it again. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E org because only together we rise it is ryan here and i have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.